0: People, welcome back to Forbidden Cinema. Hello. Hey, I'm Zach. I'm Jenny. And this week we're going deeper on nine and a half weeks.
1: I mean, yeah, there's so much to unpack.
0: I feel like you did not like this film.
1: Um I don't I don't understand this film. Like, is it sexy? I don't know. I I didn't leave like walk away like if we had if seen this in a the theater and we were like walking out of the dark room into the light oh you stale, do not want to see
0: this on a matinee oh this is not a matinee movie stale,
1: stale popcorn is being like <laughs> shoved into and, like, your
0: dad is going back to get a refill probably. on the big tub of popcorn to take home and it's just going to sit in the corner getting stale it
1: is it is like I don't know why but it's like he got to get his money's worth got to get his money's <laughs> worth <laughs> nobody, that's Jenny's dad guys nobody is eating second, second round popcorn he is getting refills <laughs> (laughs)
0: before leaving the theater
1: (laughs) but um i think my general like milieu uh from from this this takeaway is like huh that, that, that i don't feel like i got what i was promised i'm not sure what i was promised exactly but i think hot and heavy and sexy but i think all the other stuff really overshadowed that
0: yeah i feel like i got a thriller that hasn't aged well
1: a thriller that really has no consequences. Mm. It's a thriller for no reason. Like what? What is he trying to do ultimately? What is his? If we knew he was trying to make her this like love slave overall, and like had an in true end goal, like you know, sniley whiplash, like like twirling his mustache. Oh and man, stuff. But,
0: uh, guys, if you could see her mustache twirl, it's pretty <laughs> sexy. Um,
1: if we knew, like. You know, it's he- almost
0: as sexy as Kim Basinger in her mustache.
1: Oh, God. Oh, my God. <laughs>
0: you just totally twirled your mustache after this movie.
1: She has, like, the worst Dread Pirate Roberts,
0: <laughs> Carrie Elwes mustache. <laughs> would love you, Carrie Ellis.
1: Love every second of you. And but we, we told that story
0: on the podcast.
1: that We, that, we were at
0: the meeting for him. Uh-huh. And there was a huge line. We were third people in line. And we were upset. Because he was spending too much time with us.
1: Right. Like, we have to go. He's like,
0: like, there's so many people you need
1: to talk to. Like, I'm, I'm, uh, we don't want to take up your time. We don't want, we don't want to be rude. He's like,
0: oh, how so? Tell me more. Tell me more. I
1: was like, um, okay. Like, Can I give you a hug? I'm like, um, yes. Okay.
0: He's <laughs> like the most delightful, so. famous person I have ever ever met
1: yeah and, and right before us he was taking there was a, a guy with a service dog a military service dog and he was trying to figure out the best layout of the photo for like should I be on my knees with the dog should we be standing <laughs> oh you can't be on your knees that's bad like, <laughs> like this whole like, you see the dog's tail behind the little like background banner <laughs> it's amazing
0: absolutely carry always if you're out there hit us up we love you oh
1: my gosh the best um totally totally off into left field there
0: yes So this movie came out in 1986, February Mm -hmm. 21st, week after Valentine's Day. (laughs) No. (laughs) Two years after filming and editing were completed, this thing sat on a shelf because they didn't know what the hell to do with it.
1: Well, I think I would be really interested. uh,
0: (laughs) There's a documentary to be seen here about this. Yes, about
1: the choices made in editing, I think, because like I said- if we had had some sort of moment where, I mean, it would be dumb and contrived for him to like speak out into, the, you know, h- talking to himself in a room about what he's trying to accomplish with her, what how he's trying to control her, or have some sort of bro he's talking to about like some sort of bet. Or so if it was in the, if this was like in the nineties, there would have been a bet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but- Am I a fucking bet?
0: <laughs> Sorry, we might have to post a picture. I actually own some props from uh, from she's all that.
1: <laughs> um, but that's the thing, like a thriller, like there's a lot of tension, but for what? I mean, at the end, spoiler, alert, y'all, she just walks away and it's over, it's done in nine and a half weeks, like nine and a half weeks of your life. It's like about about a report card time, you know,
0: <laughs> when
1: it all said and done. <laughs> How would you rate this this report card period? <laughs>
0: So this movie had a 17 million dollar budget when it was made in 84. That's a That's a pretty lot of money. big budget. Obviously it didn't come out for a couple of years. Right. Uh, test screenings were mixed at best. Apparently they said that they Same? They did have people that gave it really horrible reviews at test screenings and were there at the next test screening to watch it. There's a there's something mm. to be said for that.
1: Yeah, it's conf- it's There's some sexy moments. There's some sexy moments that are like, okay, we got it. I I know what we're trying to do here. And then next scene, about face, and I'm like, "Ah,
0: I don't know what we're trying to do here. If this were David Lynch, I might think, if this were not Adrian Lyon, if this were David Lynch, I might think, there's something I need to figure out here.
1: Right. What am I missing? This
0: is not Mulholland Drive, though.
1: No, no, it's just, it.
0: It, does Mulholland Drive just do everything this does but better? We've only seen two thirds of it and only once, so we don't get it. But like,
1: I'm not sure like that, that Mulholland Drive does everything that's better because like, it's confused. Like it's not it's confusing even confusing and sexy. It's not even an order. <laughs> <laughs> this, I think, is kind of an order, but maybe I, I don't know. I feel like
0: I think it was sexy. I mean, I was just you like do.
1: going through and flipping through scenes, trying to find something we wanted to pinpoint and like. I was like I don't I don't <laughs> remember when any of this happened. So, I don't know, maybe not.
0: This movie had a domestic gross of 6.8 million
1: with a budget of 17. So,
0: pretty big flop at home.
1: Yeah. Uh
0: actually pay, uh, played in France for about 4 years in theaters and made over $100 million in France. That makes total sense. And inspired kind of the response to French New Wave cinema du look, which is like
1: voyeurism basically.
0: A French cinema movement about style over substance. It is okay. realistic displays of consumer capitalist underworld and offers viewers a cornucopia of voyeuristic pleasure in both the desirable and the disgusting aspects of modern life. And I just wrote that down like uh, that, that's not my insights. That is a direct quote.
1: That's exactly what this is. Yeah, it's all the good, all the bad, all the gross, all the all the whatever. It's yes, but this I will thing inspired not say... like ten years of French cinema. But that makes total sense. French people are so je ne sais quoi. <laughs> just smoking I didn't, and Exactly. I people like uh, fiercely smoking and just shaking their heads in their stripes. I mean,
0: <laughs> it's
1: disgusting. I love it. Having
0: sex with people's wives. and But because of General Lafayette, go ahead. Like, we, we owe it to you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. But yeah, it's like, We are
0: not subjects of King Charles. It's like, I
1: hate it. I love it. I hate it. I love it me smack you across the face.
0: Um, this movie holds a 58% on Rotten Tomatoes, which seems about right. About a little more than half of people think this is better than bad.
1: <laughs> it's better than bad. It's good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Siskel and Ebert both gave it three and a half stars.
1: And that's out of four, right? Yeah. Yeah. Which is Not dumb. Not out of five. Which is dumb. It's, it's so... Um, there's I just, think there's, five
0: stars is weird because four stars is my childhood knowing Siskel and Hebrew But stars. five
1: stars is symmetry. <laughs> four stars is four stars is you can't split it down the middle. Half yes, stars two. No two is,
0: four four splits down the middle easier than five. I'm sorry, but but I'm, two
1: two is like
0: in third grade. Four splits down easier than five.
1: I just think that you have a more, like, you just have more room to work with. The two is very different from a three, very different from a four, very different from a five. Like, two to three, I don't know, two to three, it's like, is two, like, shit? Or is two, like, eh? And three is, like, eh? Like, I don't know. I would say that
0: one is trash. Okay. That two has some merit to fans of the genre or style. Okay. That three is generally an inoffensive movie that the average moviegoer could watch. Four is a positive experience that everyone should see, and five is a masterwork. Is but, it's a, a, but it's, is, a, but it's a four.
1: It's a four-star scale. You said.
0: Well, because because we're in your world, babe. Babe, I live in your world. I'm sorry. I'm not gonna.
1: But no, but I you you were so. But that's what makes total sense. Like four <laughs> seems like yeah, that's great. Five is like. Excellent, you know. So
0: <laughs>
1: I, yes, I think I just you just proved my point for me.
0: So Ebert's review, and I think Ebert's reviews on a lot of movies. I mean, he's missed the mark on like Fight Club and things like that, but his mm-hmm. reviews on a lot of movies are pretty accurate. He said that it is an aesthetic meditation on the philosophic questions of power, desire, intimacy, and the everyday that become urgent in the eighties as women enter the workforce en masse. Okay. It's a movie about what men are afraid of.
1: Hmm. Hmm. Okay. I could baby see that, but
0: we have one cat going crazy. <laughs> and one cat has been such a good girl and absorbing so many echoes. Thank you, girl.
1: <laughs> She's so fluffy. She's an <laughs> integral part of the acoustics of this episode.
0: <laughs> if there is good sound quality, it's because she is just sitting there absorbing sound. Thank you, girl. <laughs>
1: Uh sorry, yeah, so uh, contemplating on that, okay, okay, I mean, yes, there's like like we said, I think we said this in the the initial episode, you know, like uh basic instinct, you know, or things that we've seen in Mexico, so much time goes by where nothing is said, and you wouldn't even know that it was uh dubbed in spanish yeah there's not there's no explanation of that, and there doesn't necessarily have to be, but I would be curious. That sounds like a message that is being seen a lot. And I'm curious to see what other movies he would point to to say that that's like what is being dealt with during this time. Gotcha,
0: gotcha. I did look up a little bit of uh, newspapers and stuff in the time, and and that's not exactly the prevailing sentiment. But sometimes film can discuss things that are happening at home that aren't worth making in the news.
1: Yes, absolutely. And that's been, I mean, women in the workforce is still a conversation that we're having (laughs) a lot of years later. Yeah, why are we
0: still having this conversation?
1: I mean, because I guess because men want to shove weird jello molds in ladies' faces at home and want them to wait at home and feed them soup and take care of them and lay out their clothes. It's really uncomfortable with all of that. Uh, And maybe that's part of it. I mean, I could see that being what the underlying piece is because this is a man that like wants her to be kind of not have anything else but him. You know, you can do your little thing at work during the day. It doesn't, it doesn't affect anything. Like go play, go do that. But it doesn't, it's not real work. It doesn't mean anything. What means something is what we're doing here at night when you are totally succumbing to me. Gotcha. So, okay, I can, I can make that narrative in that point. I'm not really sure that, that's truly what's being said. I mean, control is the issue here across the board, Um, but I'm not sure. I would have liked to see if that was the case, her wrestling with the control Mm. because she doesn't really wrestle with it other than just being offended by certain parts of it. And then just being like, okay, that's fine. Cool. I, I, ha ha ha. I'm going to scream and then laugh and scream and then laugh. And she's so shallow in terms. There's a, there was a lot of missed opportunity for us to see more of her and what she thought of all of this.
0: So this movie was shot entirely in sequence. Very rare.
1: But I think you'd have to. You'd have to because of the tone of where this goes. It'd be really hard. You'd have to, I mean, and that's what actors do, I'm sure, but it gets darker and darker and and just more. I, I think you'd have to.
0: Yeah. Line would not let Mickey Rourke speak to Kim Basinger off camera.
1: Ooh, that 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 tracks. You can tell, I think.
0: And would kind of whisper in her ear that he doesn't like you, and that he's been saying things about you. And it seems like he's really kind of a dick. And I think in, in retrospect, like everybody looks back on this, is like, yeah, kind of a dick move, dude. I, so I like really,
1: creating a, like a real like mind fuck situation just in he was filming. really
0: kind of gaslighting her behind the scenes,
1: just for the sake of creating that weird tension.
0: Yeah, not cool, dude. Not, not cool. Like, some real like. Blair Witch kind of nonsense going on there.
1: Well, Blair Witch and also uh you know The Shining, I mean Right, right. Think about all the the abuse there. That's interesting because I I kind of think that that
0: and I think he's like completely like yes, like that was my director process. Like oh, I was such a genius doing that and then like now in 2022 they're like uh oh, not cool dude.
1: <laughs> I almost feel like something would have been lost there because Collaboratively, I think there could have been a better story than us actually. That's not what acting is. Acting is not like this is real life. He like he wants to control. Like he kind of doesn't like you and thinks you're kind of a like he thinks we you're... are not
0: Daniel Day Lewis here. Okay, <laughs> right.
1: This is not. I mean, I kind of could understand maybe like okay, we need to kind of. There's a lot of emotion here and a lot of like high energy. We need to kind of not just say cut and go chum it up that's i understand that to a certain degree you got to separate to like a little bit but creating that actual i can't figure this guy out in real life that's not acting (laughs) (laughs) that's that's like creating like some sort of weird weird drama situation like some sort of strange escape room i don't know
0: last thing i have to say about the filming of the film or the movie you can leave your hat on was not a striptease song before this movie.
1: Well, I wouldn't imagine. It sounds like, I don't know who. who... Joe Cocker. Oh, it's Joe Cocker. Okay. I, okay.
0: I have seen four burlesque shows in my life. And you can leave your hat on has been featured prominently in at least two of them. Maybe oh. three and I just don't remember. But Okay.
1: Well, then I think that's making a much more subversive nod than you probably realize. It
0: might have been. It really might have been.
1: Yeah, oh, the,
0: I mean, you teach burlesque, and
1: that was the best scene in the whole movie. Yes, so much fun. That if that the tone of this movie was that scene, oh man, this movie would be amazing. It it wouldn't have the like
0: the French people wouldn't have lost their mind over it because <laughs> it might not have made any money.
1: I think it would have made money because it would have been fun. Would it
0: have made that much money though.
1: It would have made it so many bad. Also, this was
0: a huge early video rental movie.
1: Of course, because it had like so much mystique around it. Yes, so people were like, "What is this about?" And then they were like, "Oh, okay." They're like, "Okay, there's some sexy parts, but I'm kind of bored." It's
0: like we can fast forward to the good parts,
1: right? I'm sure there's a lot of fast forwarding in this movie.
0: <laughs> so, what do you know about Zalman King?
1: I know that name, the
0: writer of this film.
1: Oh. Then maybe I don't really know his name other than maybe seeing it on the screen. I don't know anything.
0: So the first the first attempt at the screenplay was uh, Sarah Knoshin. She's won two Oscars, married to a guy with three Tonys and a Pulitzer. She wrote the original script. Uh, so Zalman King and Patricia Knopp, I guess it wasn't quite up to what the producers were looking for. So they took a, I don't know, if, do you know the difference in screenwriting credits that if there's an and, like A-N-D, it means somebody else took the work of somebody else and then rewrote it? And if there's the ampersand, it's a collaboration?
1: No, I didn't know that. Okay,
0: that that's, that's what that means in film credits. Okay. So Zalman King and Patricia Knopp, they were married for 46 years. They were a... Man, uh, husband and wife duo collaborating on screenplays and directing and producing. Zalman King, in 1971, the show The Young Lawyers, he was the first kind of leading man Jewish sex symbol in TV.
1: Okay. I Then maybe I do know this name, like just out in pop culture, but I don't know it from a writing standpoint.
0: He wrote and directed Galaxy of Terror. <laughs> that sounds... It's 1981. Um that's probably most famous for like a weird psychic worm kind of orgasming a woman to death.
1: Okay. Um
0: 1986 he did this. In eighty eight, Two Moon Junction. I've heard of this one. Yeah. But it's I got don't... Sherilyn Fenn from Twin Peaks in it. Okay. Um 1989, Wild Orchid.
1: Okay, that's with, on our list. That, yeah. that is
0: on our list. Yes, it's a diary of Anais Nin, who I think uh, is in Henry and June, the first NC seventeen movie. Mm-hmm. Also based on Ana- Anais Nin,
1: and also is in a Jewel song.
0: <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> but again, yeah, it's, it's her like hooking up with uh, with Henry Miller and his yeah. wife, and then that uh, this one that Wild Orchid also stars Mickey Rourke.
1: Aha! So he and Mickey Rourke. Hit it off.
0: Yes, yes. And uh, I guess Wild Orchid was also an NC-17 movie, an early NC-17. 1992, David Duchovny blockbuster, Red Shoe Diaries.
1: Oh, okay. So he likes to live in this world.
0: He, he really does. Oh, that, and that's for the next years until his death, this is the world that he lives in. But basically, he was 50-year-old actor, producer, writer, who then goes on to basically for the next 30 years of his life, Produce softcore porn (laughs) for cable TV.
1: I think Nine and a Half Weeks, Wild Orchid, and Red Shoe Diaries is a three-part conversation into softcore porn. (laughs) So I think it's completely natural.
0: I also think he hates the phrase softcore porn. He says that he is a – or said that near the end of his life that he was a creator of erotica primarily uh, intended for consumption by women that he wanted to show the female desire and the female gaze that uh, power fantasies and women indulging away from the rigid confines of family were kind of his medium okay and his wife patricia knopp is a sculptor look at all of her work most of her work are basically unfinished sculptures of women kind of coming from blocks of, of marble and stone. This, this
1: makes me think of that episode of Sex and the City with the artist that uh, that Charlotte goes out to see when she's still like curating a part of a gallery and like uh, the guy like paints women's vaginas <laughs> and uh, his wife is like bringing them tea. and She's like, I bet you have a lovely vagina. <laughs> <laughs> just, or actually, I think she says cunt actually. <laughs> but uh, yeah. So, sorry, that just seems, they seem like an episode of real sex. They they do,
0: they do. But that in the erotica slash softcore porn genre that kind of focus on silk sheets, hazy lighting, the saxophone music.
1: So is he like really the beginning of the erotic thriller?
0: He's the beginning of like the 90s up late erotic cable television show. Okay. Uh focus on beautiful things, voyeurism, mass balls, women toying with fragile men. A lot of things that are sort of, when you just think of like late night cable, he kind of created a lot of it.
1: Which seems the opposite of at least nine and a half weeks. I don't know about Wild Orchid and the Red Shoe Diaries.
0: haven't seen either one of those. We'll watch some Red Shoe Diaries. I've been assured Matt LeBlanc shows up like just about every other episode. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Joey was doing Red Shoe Diaries right before doing? we meet him. <laughs> he was a struggling actor, you know.
1: This is very, like, yeah, life-imitating art. <laughs> uh, but I think it's really different. I mean, Nine and a Half Weeks is not about the female gaze. I mean, I'm not really sure what it's about because I'm not sure who, who's controlling what. I mean, he wants her. He wants to control her. It becomes evident that she's not the only person that he's engaged with this. And... What do
0: you think? Okay, let's go back. Okay. He says that she's the first one that he ever loved.
1: I think Do it's you a, think
0: it's... A, it's a, was that true? I know the, the basic thing was a play, but was that true? I think... I kind of feel like it was.
1: I don't know, but at the end, he's so contrived. At the end, it's like he's so deluding himself that she's going to come back. Mm -hmm. So I'm not sure that he's even being true to him, like if he even really knows. I think that he's just like just falling into a script.
0: Also, fun little story near the end of his life. Salman King told that uh, Stanley Kubrick would call him every day and want to speak with him for hours. Like stay up all night long on the phone when he was making Eyes Wide Shut.
1: Huh. Just
0: picking his brain.
1: Interesting. Okay. I'm gonna I, ab- I would imagine casual conversations with Stanley K- Kubrick would be exhausting. <laughs> He'd be like, say it again. Is say it, it again. Right. He's say famous for doing 150 say takes of scenes. What'd you say? What'd you say? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Sorry.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Stanley Kubrick jokes. <laughs>
0: Do you know how turned on I am right now that you get Stanley Kubrick? I didn't even have to, like, mansplain Stanley Kubrick jokes to you. You just brought it. <laughs> I was completely expecting to have to, like, you see Stanley Kubrick had very, was very famous for having long shoots with the hundreds of takes of scenes. And actors would be broken down physically and emotionally. But are <laughs> just like, yeah, say that thought again. Say that thought again.
1: What? 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 <laughs> again? 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 <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm going to skip ahead. Remind me to go back. Okay. Okay. So I have read Nine and a Half Weeks, uh, a memoir of a love affair, since the last time we spoke.
1: Right. We will take a photo of it for the instas.
0: Written by Elizabeth McNeil. Uh, Elizabeth McNeil's a pen name. We assume that it's a pen name of Ingeborg Day. She never confirmed it in her lifetime, but uh, it's been Reported by more than one source that she is Elizabeth McNeil.
1: I'm not sure who that is though.
0: Uh, she was a editor for Gloria Steinem's Ms. magazine.
1: Hmm. So she's okay. kind of
0: the the Joyce uh, of this podcast.
1: Okay. Okay. So
0: she's like a feminist magazine editor. She was married to an Episcopal priest. Uh, her son died at seven. After her son died, she took her 11-year-old daughter to New York and kind of left dude behind and started a new life as an editor for this feminist magazine. Uh, this is based according to the, the author of this that she never, it's whatever, it is based on a true story from the late 60s, early 70s. She had a pretty long stay in a uh, sanitarium slash asylum. And that kind of coincides with the end of this relationship.
1: The relationship with her Episcopalian husband? No,
0: with, with the nine and a half weeks affair.
1: Oh, so this is like... Oh, okay. So it's a true story. That Well, we don't a- know
0: if it's a true story because she never even has acknowledged that she's written it. Okay. But there is this huge break in her life where she leaves the magazine and she's kind of unseen for about 10 years.
1: Interesting. Okay.
0: Um. So... Her next book is called, what is it called, Um, Ghost Waltz in 1980, a memoir about growing up as the daughter of a ex-SS officer.
1: Oh, man.
0: Yes. Her father was an unprosecuted, unrepentant SS officer in Austria at the time.
1: Holy shit.
0: Yes. And about exactly what that entails.
1: I mean, I'm sorry, like marrying an Episcopalian minister, then leaving and basically becoming an editor of a a feminist magazine, then writing
0: a memoir about your father who is in the final solution. Or writing
1: a memoir about a relationship, whether you had it or not, but about total male control and this like total manipulation. Then that, man, there's a lot to unpack.
0: Yeah, Um, that book got lukewarm reviews, was a huge seller in Germany. Oh, uh, I don't know what to think about that. I don't know if that's like weird. What was it
1: about? I mean, what, what did she say?
0: I, I mean, it's very progressive. It's not she's not like he's a good dude.
1: <laughs> like guys.
0: <laughs> no, 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 no. No, it's like it's not an apology. Like this is a monster and I'm his daughter. And what of my views were shaped by him? And how does this how did this person live on after everything that had happened?
1: Wow, it's a lot.
0: Yeah. Uh, she married a much older man and moved to Oregon. And I guess for the last 15, 16 years of his life was his primary caretaker. And she
1: just wore Birkenstocks?
0: Uh, I don't know. But Sorry, I'm trying to lighten this yeah, up. Yeah, <laughs> there's no, there's no, like, basically there's like, there's a wedding announcement, which is the first time she's been in the news in like 11 years and then the next time she's in the news is her suicide in 2011 and then her husband passed away unknown causes four days later so 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 the book um
1: back to stanley kubrick jokes
0: (laughs) the book is i would say darker
1: than the movie it is cool
0: (laughs) really coolly written though okay the the ending of chapter 1 is my name is from the man and then it ends with a dot 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 it's very mr big
1: mm. i mean we they were never a real... we, she
0: never knows we never know we assume that she is elizabeth because that's the name of the author well that's the name we never of the, get her name
1: unless the name of the character that yeah well, we we it, there's scenes and scenes and scenes before we ever hear anybody refer to her
0: mhm but yeah we never get his name in the book um some chapters are like two words long. It, it's very like Chuck Polanuck. Chuck Polinuk has read has read this book. Mm. Like one chapter is like what he did. It's like brush my hair, take my brush my teeth, cook me whatever, feed me whatever. What, do, like what I did, absolutely fucking nothing. I mean, it's and she she's enjoying it in at this point.
1: It's interesting. Yeah, that, I think that that's that's what's missing. What is Lizzie, Elizabeth, Mm -hmm. in this movie? What is she getting from this? Like, she doesn't seem to be.
0: She doesn't seem to be turned on by being submissive.
1: No, not at all. She gets angry. Mm -hmm. She gets angry about it and she gets really combative about it, very childish about it. I mean, I would. I mean, I think it's totally fair. You can be mad and you can fight it and say, no, absolutely not. I'm not going to do that. But she gets very childish and like kind of like slappy and screamy and and whatever it and then she ultimately kind of like he makes some sort of joke because he laughs at her and her 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 discomfort and whatever it is and then she kind of just gives in she doesn't seem to in that moment do what he was telling her to do but then we continue the relationship
0: yeah yeah Basically, she feels that he bores of being able to cause her to climax and that she has become like a well-made wind-up toy. Remember how many times we saw wind-up toys in the film?
1: We did see a lot of wind-up toys in the film. Yes, we did. So we were making an illusion. Yes,
0: yes. And it gets dark. I mean, he's chaining her up. They... With the cross-dressing scene and not some great... It's 1978, written about two men, and it's aged poorly. Um, There isn't really, like, people chasing them. He actually encourages her to mug somebody, and they have sex while holding him at knife point. Huh. It is... It's rough. It's rough.
1: The, the, okay, so the movie makes it a very, like, fun, like quippy interpretation of it.
0: yes 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 uh it ends with her just crying and he doesn't, she doesn't know why she's crying and he's asking her why she's crying and so he drops her off at a uh, hospital she is sedated and she never sees him again and she spends an extended amount of time at a sanitarium
1: well the movie ends much more powerful than that so yeah. i will give it that
0: well the last the last two lines of the book she says I had forgotten what to do with my hands when making love because it had been so long since they were free. Oh, damn! And what remains is that my sensation thermostat has been thrown out of whack. It's been years, and I sometimes wonder whether my body will ever again register above lukewarm. Oh, wow! Yeah, that that's 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 deep. I that's, mean, it, oh. I feel like the book she is pining for something that he is that he is not and very different from the uh, from the movie right i'm not saying she she thinks it's positive but she wants a little excitement
1: well and i think that's evident in the movie she wants some excitement she's really excited about some by some of the the ex escapades that they have outside and you know some of those things that she's totally down for which fine cool Like, if she's in the striptease and and all of that, but, it yeah, like I said, there's just a couple of conversations that are missing from this film for everybody to have a really good time. (laughs) It feels like it would have been easy. We could
0: remake this movie and add 48 seconds in and cut out two minutes, and it would be a lot of fun for people that are into a certain thing. You
1: know, yeah, I we're mean, not really
0: into that, but, but
1: I mean, I think that a lot of what they do is very risky, and I, that makes me nervous, and I'm <laughs> I'm not a fan. But if everyone's down and it, some of it is fun, then cool, okay.
0: So that's so that's the book. So back to the last few notes I have about the movie. Okay, Crypt Keeper Guy and the dinner party.
1: Right, right, right.
0: It's Julian Beck. He's known for about thirty years of avant-garde theater in Off Broadway. He had the. Um,
1: was he in Rocky Horror?
0: No, he is not. It's not him. Okay. Okay. The Living Theater. There was heavy psychedelic use. They were often very much, very much intoxicated on stage. Uh, basic theme: very like John Waters. Before John Waters was John Waters, okay. bisexual libertine, open marriage. Uh, he was in this, he was in the Cotton Club, and he was in Poltergeist 2. Uh, he was Cain, the, like, the traveling preacher who was also the beast.
1: Okay. So he's the
0: bad, he's he's the bad guy in Poltergeist.
1: Huh, Okay.
0: Uh, He actually died before this and Poltergeist were released. He was – I guess that look was kind of his look. He had the the long, stringy hair, the sunken-in eyes. That was kind of his thing. But he was suffering from some pretty severe stomach cancer at this point.
1: Yeah, that's an interesting choice. (laughs) But okay.
0: It's – if you're into, like, bisexual, open marriage, psychedelic use, avant-garde theater, then and you have, like, really weird sunken-in eyes, you could – you can have a look. That's fine.
1: I guess. I mean, you can like really, yeah, like Crypt Keeper before the Crypt Keeper existed. Like really lean into that. I mean, okay, cool.
0: All right. So we're gonna move on completely from here. Uh, do you have anything else? I I didn't spend much time looking up most of the other people involved in the making of this film. I and mean, Christine Bransky's in here and doesn't speak. She so. doesn't, Yeah.
1: I mean, it. It's a missed opportunity, but correct. there's
0: so many missed opportunities right. in casting in this film. Eyebrows? Anything to say about eyebrows?
1: Well, unfortunately, I think you know you took a screenshot like the no eyebrows, eyebrows look is is coming back, which I refuse.
0: And I showed you what the the new Kim Kardashian photo shoot, and she's dyed her eyebrows like flesh colored.
1: It's not good. <laughs> eyebrows important, y'all. Otherwise, you just look like a weird alien.
0: So talk to me about McNuggets.
1: About McNuggets, McNugget. like
0: what do you know about McNuggets? Like chicken McNuggets? Yes, because I said that I wanted, and I still do. I still
1: really. Like oh, the honey. Yes. <laughs> um, I mean, like, I don't know if they're chicken. I don't know if that's debatable.
0: Um, I think they're all white meat now. I think they still might be mechanically separated, but it, I mean, I don't care about that. But I mean, I just care about if they're delicious or not, and they are. It's been, been a, twenty years been since long I've had time. one. But man, it was delicious. The last I've time had, had one. some
1: how old is our how old is Eve?
0: Oh, Eve is six.
1: So like I went on a road trip with like my dad and my youngest sister to like go to a shower for Eve. And of course my like dad stops and buys like twenty nuggets. And so like had nuggets in the car, <sighs> then that's the, the last time. But no honey. Like I I don't even know if it's honey still a thing. Is it still available?
0: I mean, I was mildly thinking that I might try to have sex with you tonight, but maybe we'll just go get a 20-piece McNugget. (laughs) (laughs) That might be better. (laughs) Chicken McNuggets were introduced in 1983.
1: So, like, right before this.
0: So, I would have thought it was earlier because I was eating Chicken McNuggets well before 84. Were they
1: created for Happy Meals?
0: No, I think they were just the new thing. I think the onion nugget had not been a thing for a minute. An
1: onion nugget? Oh,
0: onion nuggets! Yeah, oh, you, you don't watch you don't watch much Good Mythical Morning.
1: No, not as much. No. Yeah,
0: yeah. Onion nuggets were a huge deal. I I think they were not discontinued because of poor sales, but I think there was difficulty in ingredients or something along those lines. They were they were to replace the onion nuggets, which I could go for some onion nuggets too.
1: So just like onion tater tots?
0: Yes. Hmm. Sounds awesome.
1: Like like bloomin' onions, but not. Yes. Okay.
0: <laughs>
1: I'm picking it up.
0: Chicken McNuggets were available in '83 with their when they first launched with four sauces: sweet and sour, barbecue, hot mustard. I would have thought honey mustard or something. Hot mustard and honey. Okay. One of the four original sauces, okay? Come at me. Internet, fight me. Like, I'll post my address, and if you feel like honey is invalid, whatever, we'll come and fight. That's... I mean... Why do I get so whatever about fighting people on podcasts?
1: I don't know, because you don't mean any of it. No, I
0: really don't. I'm not a fighter.
1: (laughs) But I think, like, the public has spoken, because I'm thinking that honey is not an option anymore, and it's gone. But... Is it? I don't know. We'll see. I don't know. I haven't been to McDonald's and Lord.
0: They have biscuits in
1: the morning. Do they? I mean, I guess they do. Yeah, they like sausage biscuits and stuff. I feel like
0: honey and biscuits. I don't know. If I go and they don't have honey, then I'm I'm out. Like, oh, actually. Okay, no, thanks. I don't want the order. Bye. <laughs> That's a real dick move. Well, <laughs> what's a real dick move on their part? Not to have honey, huh? The, cash,
1: the cashier has no control over where they have honey anymore. You need to just like let them complete their order and then you can throw it away. You can
0: hit void all. It's fine. <laughs> So what did you see that you had to keep your parents from seeing? Remember we talked about that briefly and your your, uh, homework assignment was to think about that.
1: Oh, you you need to remind me of homework assignments. I'm sorry. (laughs) Well, I mean, some very pedestrian things like Friends. Okay. Like Friends was against the rules, but I still saw it. Um, And I even remember like my sister making references to Friends like in my parents' (laughs) presents.
0: <laughs> I've got a story about your sister making references that I got.
1: Right, right, right. Wasn't that for a South Park episode?
0: Well, because Beavis and Butthead was the one I didn't know better. Like I did not learn like, oh, my parents can never know this is a thing. They can never know this is a thing or it will be a problem. I did not realize that at the time. I learned that lesson. It was forbidden after I'd already fallen in love with it. And so then when South Park happened, I was like, my parents can never know South Park is a thing. And your sister was talking about evolution (laughs) at dinner, probably Thanksgiving, and doing Mr. Garrison's retarded fish frog squirrel had butt sex.
1: (laughs) I mean, she edited it.
0: She did not say butt sex. She probably said retarded, which is not okay. Like, we don't say that. No. But She didn't say butt sex.
1: No, she didn't. But.
0: I don't know. I might need to like, I might need to bring that up to her like 10 years later. Like, hey.
1: Like, I'm pretty sure like that I she. I know you
0: cut out butt sex. Like, what's your deal on butt sex?
1: I don't, <laughs> I don't think you need to ask her that. <laughs> you could ask her husband about that. I don't know. But that's between y'all. Um, but yeah, she definitely made like a smelly cat reference. And it's like, my my mom is very much like, a, like what's that? Like, and like kind of really lean in oh, and ask so. questions. Yeah. Um, and she's like trying to like back her way out of that. And like, it's on you. You said it, you put it out there in the world. Um, I don't know, which sounds crazy because I am really, was really good at just like keeping it at all like low key, but I don't remember a lot of things like sneaking to watch. I remember like reading some romance novels, um, you know, things like that, that it's like, you know. Because books, we like we talked about, like nobody paid attention to books. Yeah, nobody cares. Yeah, Um, yeah. I don't. I don't know that there was anything I like snuck to watch, like in our house, like a movie specifically, or I mean, probably things I like watched at friends' houses. But like Pretty Woman, you know, I watched, and like it was more probably like. Um, I like clandestinely, like, shave my legs when I'd been told I wasn't supposed to. <laughs> like, things like that, probably. Um.
0: My mom hit me when I got my second earring.
1: She hit you? Yeah.
0: It was on the shoulder. It wasn't hard, but <laughs> <laughs> I'd had it for probably two years before she noticed it. <laughs> I just wore my hair down. I had long hair. It's fine.
1: right, you're right. Yeah, I mean, I told you about, like, you know, my mom didn't really want me to get my cartilage pierced, and it was, like, you know, the late 90s, and that was the thing. She was like, I don't really love it, but I like, turned 18, and I did it. And then she was like, oh, it's so cute. I love it. It's so great. I mean, she took my 15-year-old sister to go get it done. It was, like, completely ruined my, like, act of independence. <laughs> but.
0: I also wrote down Jerry Maguire. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that in the theater, because, like, I knew a really dumb girl, and she had, she was, like. A lot older, but still in <laughs> high school, and <laughs> she was dating guys her own age, and they could get into R-rated movies. She was precious. Uh, I she's a, a lovely person. She's just not smart, <laughs> and she yeah. would
1: not make Stanley Kubrick jokes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, but. but her family is is adorable, and I love course, them to this course, day. Yes. But, yeah, she was in high school until she was, like, 22. Not really, but, but close. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, so we saw Jerry Maguire, and I remember my parents renting Jerry Maguire and watching it with them and thinking, like, okay. I remember there being some content but not remembering how like, cuz that happens so early.
1: It does happen really
0: early. And the tone shifts a lot from that.
1: Yes, it's 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 really yeah, it is a very different tone. Um no, I didn't see it ahead of time. That was like a real time in the moment oh, we're all experiencing it. But one thing I did there, – there's like a, why did I not know that? Why, why didn't you think about that? There was, but there was a lot a habit of once I got a little bit older watching movies where, like, I would watch movies like laying on the floor, like closer to the TV, and they were behind me. So there was no eye contact in anything that we were watching. I was just like watching it like ahead of them. And it was like they were, yeah. So it tried to kind of eliminate any of those kind of situations.
0: Have I told the story on the podcast yet about Demolition Man?
1: I feel like you have but I don't remember exactly. That
0: basically my dad was awesome when it came to like guys night. I mean he would late night take me to see Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. He would pick me up from the from school to go see Dick Tracy or something like that. He he was he was really cool about guy movies. And that was maybe the first R-rated movie we'd ever gone to. I don't know. I'm trying to think. There was like eraser with uh, with Schwarzenegger and that might have been before but it might have been, this might be the first R-rated movie we'll everyone ever to see. And like, yeah there's some swearing and, and like we've watched Rambo together, yeah. you know, there, there's some swearing, there's some blood, there's some guts but there's mm-hmm. one half a second scene where a naked lady calls on the video phone <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like like I have seen a breast or two here or there late night on hbo i don't know if he knows that but like like we just saw breasts together <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: we never talked we have not spoken about it to this day i
1: mean what was there any conversation about the like virtual sex no we don't know
0: <laughs> but yeah that that, that that was my real like hmm okay Like, we've crossed a threshold here. (laughs) (laughs) That that might be the only time that I can think of. But uh, getting into Kim Basinger, and we're just going to go with Basinger. That's what I always have known and said. Did you know she was a Bond girl? No. She was in Never Say Never Again. Oh. So she was the last Sean Connery Bond girl. Oh, wow. Like, 81, I think, maybe? Wow, okay. and, and I have no post, idea. This was post Roja Moore. This is uh, a <laughs> lost-in-translation joke for any of you. Like, <laughs> if any of you are keeping, like, Sofia Coppola points here.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> she won an Oscar for L.A. Confidential.
1: I don't know that I knew that. I, I Have you seen L.A. Confidential? I have not. Oh, okay. That's, but it's a noir, right?
0: Oh, it, it's the rebirth of, of neo-noir. That's, I don't know if that's fully forbidden cinema. It's 97, I think. So, I mean, we were both seven. We were not old enough to see it. That might have to go on the list. Maybe so. It, Russell Crowe, I think that's his first major American film.
1: Okay, I know. What you're, yeah. Guy
0: Pierce. I don't think anybody knew who Guy Pierce was before that. Probably not, no. Oh, Hugh, I mean, it, it's a sequel to Chinatown.
1: I've never seen all of Chinatown,
0: actually, really? no. Oh, that. I don't know. Should we take a... Because I never wanted to see Chinatown as a kid.
1: No, of course not. And it's not.
0: Polanski, and we've got weird, like, fuck uh, Polanski. Uh,
1: yeah, it's complicated. But it's,
0: it's great. She was in Boxing Helena, but then left at the very last minute after Madonna was in it, and then left at the very last minute. Are you familiar with Boxing Helena at all? No. Okay. It is... Written and directed by Jennifer Lynch, David Lynch's daughter. It's got um, Sherilyn Fenn, once again, from Twin Peaks. Mm -hmm. It's got uh, Julian Sands. Do you even know who that is? No. He was in uh, Room with a View.
1: Oh, Julian Sands. Yes. Um, The name, that's familiar, but... Have you seen Room with a View? No. It
0: was a very early movie on Encore, like... I think Encore and Stars are a thing now, so the, but like back in the day, it was the two ninety nine a month movie service. Right, it was with, not
1: as expensive as, as HBO. HBO,
0: but it only had like twelve movies and it just showed them over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. I think it's Helena Bonham Carter's first major starring oh, vehicle. Okay, it is very much like a Jane Austen, whatever. But there is one scene about an hour in where like seven guys are skinny dipping and it's just dicks flopping. <laughs> <laughs> everywhere <laughs> you know it's a, it's a young girl coming of age story and she happens to spy so i mean very much opposite the like guys spying on women in the shower scene
1: i mean props cool
0: yeah no i'm looking back i'm like well done well done it's very much like all of your probably all of the people that are in all of your movies that you watched all your three VHS versions of oh, all the British Colin movies. Firth. Yeah, Call yeah, of Firth and, and
1: Hugh Grant yes. and I'm trying to think of there's probably like all these like minor actors.
0: Yeah, but it's it's that crew. But uh he's also in Warlock and Warlock Two The Armageddon, which are some pretty horrible late night horror movies. And he's uh Jorel in Smallville.
1: Oh okay And Jorel's kind of a
0: dick in Smallville.
1: <laughs> I mean, I mean, I I don't know. I don't know what I've thought about him other than being a hologram. I mean, like
0: Marlon Brando. And Marlon Brando's kind of a dick, but I don't know if Jor really a dick.
1: Right? Yeah, I don't know. And isn't uh, Russell Crowe? Russell Crowe's Jor El.
0: Yeah, I think he's
1: kind I, of a dick. We too. never saw
0: Man of Steel or Justice League. No. Yeah, we really enjoyed uh, the middle one, the uh, Batman versus Superman.
1: (laughs) I mean, I just like Batman, y'all. Like, I'm a huge...
0: We walked out of the theater and you were like, I'm really into a gracefully graying man who enjoys a good scotch.
1: (laughs) It's my jam. If he's got, I mean, the gadgets and cool stuff, it's fine. Like, he's friends with Morgan Freeman. Cool.
0: But the movie also features uh, Bill Paxton.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Kurtwood Smith. <laughs> and Art Garfunkel. Weird. It's that's basic- a lot of,
1: that's like half, two-thirds of men with unfortunate hairlines.
0: Yes, yes. Uh, we're going to do this guy in his head. <laughs> <laughs> Should we, is, is there a this guy in his head on Instagram?
1: I, I don't know. you might it's, have to start that's the, this big, guy in his head, a large hashtag but movie show with <laughs> with a uh, what's his base on in this movie. And literally, I was listening to uh, that's Messed up. And what is his name? The, the mayor from Ghostbusters who's in this movie. Oh, Lenny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the I actor. I... He he was like in an, in an episode of SVU that they're looking at and they're like talking about his ha- unfortunate hairline literally like days after we were talking about Ice-T it. Ice-T
0: is embracing his hairline.
1: I mean, good on him.
0: Snoop, this guy and his head, we're coming for you.
1: Snoop, just shave. How cool and revolutionary would Snoop be with just like a shaved head? Oh, man.
0: Well, but I mean, he was briefly Rastafarian, and that's a big cultural statement to shave your dreadlocks. I don't know. I don't know. That, that, that but might he be doesn't more. really
1: have dreadlocks I don't think right he now.
0: Identifies as Rastafarian anymore. But there's a scope of the population where that that's a big deal to shave your head. I mean, bald heads is a thing. I it's, I, I don't know.
1: I, I don't, don't know. know. Okay. It, it's, 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 if I, I'm
0: sorry. It might, it might be religiously or culturally thing, significant, fine, but it's, it's fine. still tragic.
1: totally fine. But if you did, you would totally look like the character from Incredibles and it would be cool. <laughs>
0: But this is a NC seventeen amputee fetish movie.
1: Yeah,
0: like Julian Sands is a plastic surgeon who is like slowly but surely amputating. Yeah, you know to, to keep her more and more under his control.
1: That's you know that's my bu- like that's my button stuff like that like walrus and. <laughs>
0: but then, like at the end, she wakes up and it was all a dream. But
1: oh, is so, it sorry, sorry, sp- in this scenario? Spoiler
0: alert for for uh boxing helena <laughs> from like 1992 does he
1: put her in a box is that what's happening no i
0: think it's that he's like making slowly her box? but surely amputating all of her limbs so, so she just, can't get away so he's from him
1: making her a box yes like,
0: i think so yeah like yeah where she can't get away
1: so who is helena i think that's uh
0: Sherilyn fenn is
1: Sherilyn fenn okay yeah
0: which i don't know if you would know her at all
1: um i think
0: she's like the girl that's killed at the beginning of twin peaks
1: Oh, okay. I mean, I know the name.
0: And she's in Two Moon Junction. I think we discovered like, like an erotic thriller that you Zalman just, King did after this.
1: Yeah, you just said that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I don't know. She keeps on apparently showing up in this podcast. We'll have to see maybe who she is. Maybe Two okay. Moon Junction. I don't know. Maybe a Zalman King retrospective.
1: That seems um, treacherous.
0: <laughs> Lots of sax music. <laughs> She actually lost a $9.6 million dollar judgment from the producers of Boxing Helena for dropping out so late.
1: Oh, um, Kim Bas- Basinger? Kim Basinger, yes. Mm, so she owed them $9.6 9. million.
0: $9.6 million, dollars, th- yes. Thick. Along with buying like 1,900 acres by basically an entire county in Georgia that someone assured her was going to be the next big thing and <laughs> turned out not to be. So <laughs> she uh, she's not as rich as she used to be.
1: But when was that?
0: mid 90s
1: there's been a long time since then she divorced alec baldwin and alec baldwin heyday so she's probably got some funds yeah yeah
0: uh, i cannot believe
1: we did not discuss her in wayne's world 2 i don't remember her in wayne's world too. she's
0: honey hornet garth's new girlfriend
1: i don't think i even realized that wayne's world movies had awesome powers level names <laughs> oh man have you
0: seen wayne's world 2
1: yeah i have because there's
0: the, like they're like like take me garth like where like you don't have a coat in my car is the one gas
1: i do remember that but i didn't remember it was kim basinger and then like
0: you know she's like i have a husband like he has to die <laughs> like, giving him a gun <laughs> like
1: ah! all i really remember from that movie is isn't it um Crap. Uh,
0: Not Russell Brand.
1: Frankenstein never scared me.
0: Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, last guy didn't get it. <laughs>
1: That's
0: all I really Mr. remember You want me to say what? Like, I don't get it.
1: <laughs> oh. oh. Like,
0: last guy didn't get it. <laughs> A sphincter says what? <laughs> I think we hit most of the rest of her uh, career. In, in the original episode. So we're on to the Observer Reporter. So, 1990 or 86, this is our first time in 86.
1: 86, I think that's when we moved. No, I think we moved here in 87.
0: So we've got um, the Iran Iraq War Intensifies, kind of on the front page. We have Chris DeCarla. A local DJ switches from Holland Oats to heavy metal and was in the February issue of Playboy Women of the Radio.
1: Oh, wow. That is a
0: big scandal in, in Western Pennsylvania.
1: Aha. Uh-huh. We, we have an Observer, we, observer I
0: Reporter Playboy crossover.
1: Never thought that would have happened. <laughs> observer
0: Reporter ex-Playboy.
1: <laughs> never. Never, never, never.
0: We have more bad Tylenol found. Oh, no. Yeah, so I don't know how many of you are familiar with in the true crime world slash pharmaceutical world. that a, a big cross from my my worldview that there was poison Tylenol on shelves in Chicago and then some showed up in Pennsylvania.
1: Wow, because that was really from one person. We think. I guess they, that's right. They never really actually found out.
0: It's never truly been solved. But a lot, I mean, dozens of people were, were killed by this monster. And that's why we have tamper-evident packaging now. Um, Grenada greets Reagan. Is there a more '80s poorly <laughs> like? I mean, what we had? What Reagan and and Iran and Nicaragua last week <laughs> or two weeks ago? Now we've got Grenada and Reagan. Like, oh man! Like looking back, uh, we have Coke buying Dr Pepper.
1: Uh, and it's weird because Dr. Pepper in some states is a Coke product, and in some states, it's a Pepsi product.
0: Yeah, yeah. A House panel votes to send military aid to the Marcoses in the Philippines.
1: Why? She needed more shoes?
0: I think they were facing an armed revolution, but they might have spent that Be- money on shoes.
1: Because she has so many <laughs> shoes.
0: <laughs> it doesn't look like nine and a half weeks was playing in Western Pennsylvania.
1: They weren't ready for it. Yeah, uh,
0: actually, uh, our friend of the podcast, uh, Dad or Terry Hazlitt, was uh, reviewing uh, not, uh, Weird Science. Oh, okay. So, so looking at movies by the numbers released about this time, I'm going to go back a little bit. One seventeen, January seventeenth, Iron Eagle. Do you know that one?
1: <laughs> isn't isn't that one of those movies you just leave on and leave me upstairs with? Need, is it not?
0: I mean, it's got Queen's One Vision is kind of the soundtrack of it. It's on the same album as the rest of the songs that are on Highlander. Mm-hmm. This movie was released in theaters before Top Gun. That's a crazy thought because Top Gun is the number one movie of this year of 86. Just
1: because someone had a similar idea didn't mean that it was executed right. as well.
0: Do you want to take three guesses as to what the number two movie of 1986 is that only lost to Top Gun by like $10 million?
1: Oh, man. I'm not 86. That's so hard. Like, I can group things into decades.
0: Right. Or I maybe mean, right. even
1: early decades versus late decades. It's fine.
0: If this game isn't fun, we could go on.
1: I feel like this game will take too long. So, okay.
0: Number two movie of the year that lost to Top Gun by like $10 million crocodile dundee.
1: Uh, I never would have guessed that, but that makes total sense. <laughs> How wild my grandfather is that? loved that movie. It was like they had probably 5 VHSs.
0: And that was one of them. And that was one of them. My grandparents probably had 5 VHSs like the Bible with <laughs> uh, uh, oh crap, what's his name? Oh, Patton um Angus George C Scott. George C Scott. <laughs> and Medicine Man with Sean Connery. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I remember, I guess my grandfather also loved watching Golden Girls, and my parents would say, like, you're not allowed to watch that. I was not allowed to, like, watch Golden Girls when my grandfather was watching Golden Girls.
0: So January 31st, we have Down and Out in Beverly Hills.
1: I don't know that.
0: It's. I remember it being pretty, um, you know, pretty, imp- it's got a cool name.
1: It, it's got a cool name, but I don't know it at all. Gotcha.
0: Next week, FX. I've never seen oh, this movie. That seems like the seen kind of FX. movie I would be interested in.
1: I've seen FX. FX
0: two. I've never seen either one.
1: I've seen FX. I remember watching. We watched it like as a movie night. And okay, it was cool. I re- like let's watch it. Like it's. I don't know if it's a podcast movie. It's. It's got a probably weird tone and it's probably kind of once we when we do another like what were they thinking category maybe it falls into that because okay. I have seen it with my family.
0: Gotcha. The next week, Delta Force with Chuck Norris. That's a big like Iranian plane hijacking movie. Uh-huh. And Wildcats. Is that Goldie Hawn, I believe?
1: Oh, I, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: 221, Nine and a Half Weeks, and Dream Lover. You know Dream Lover?
1: Just the Mariah Carey song?
0: Oh, no. That's on my list for it was on a movie with a children's movie. Ah. I think that oh, I forgot. I Honestly, I forgot what the children's movie was because dream lover and interview with a vampire were on a vhs that my sister borrowed from the neighbors across the street
1: ah i don't
0: even remember what the children's movie was <laughs> on there but dream lover was uh, james spader and madcham a mick it's kind of a very like gaslighty erotic horror erotic thriller uh-huh. and then of course you know interview with a vampire that was my first experience watching that
1: right I actually don't think this is crazy like because I read interview with the you Vampire. haven't seen it no oh
0: that that goes on the list then I think I've
1: like read all of those and I haven't seen it
0: I mean Brad Pitt Tom Tom, everyone's, Tom Cruise. everyone's so pale <laughs> I mean somebody who did not read the books casting Antonio Banderas right 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 next week 2, 228 pretty in pink.
1: Uh actually, I mean, okay. So I love those movies. I love John Hughes movies. I love Molly Ringwald movies. But Pretty in Pink leaves some important editing. Like it's got it's it it really jumps wildly. Um, I still love it. It's fine. Uh, we got James Spader. His name is Steph. Okay. He like buttons to his navel majority of the time in white pants.
0: I don't feel like I've seen Pretty in Pink or Sixteen Candles start to finish.
1: My absolute, maybe, I don't know, favorite scene in a movie, that's hard to say, but one of my top ten favorite movie scenes is uh, Ducky. And it, Oh, Pretty in Pink is Ducky? Ducky, yeah, Pretty in Pink is Ducky. Oh, Sixteen
0: Candles is You Forgot My Birthday. Correct. Okay.
1: Pretty in Pink is Ducky. And like Otis Redding, it also has Annie Potts as like a very kind of Cindy Lauperish kind of character. Okay. I think
0: that I think I like what I've seen of that more than I like what I've seen of Sixteen Candles.
1: Probably, it, it, it's it's more angsty. It's not as like quirky.
0: I want um, to be a dick and say like, which is the one where uh, John Cusack holds up the boombox? But that's <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, <laughs> that's Cameron Crow. That's not John. We've Hughes.
1: actually like. Seen that movie with John Cusack in the room. Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Sorry, you were saying.
1: Oh, just like. That was Yes. He's like lip syncs and dances to this Otis Redding song in Annie Potts record store. That is just like. Oh, it's amazing. Like it's it's. It's they're like they didn't know in that moment they didn't know he was gonna do it and they're like blown away too. And he just like comes in, does it, and he leaves, and it's just it's magical.
0: Hey, forbidden cinema, true crime corner. John, John Cryer, you out there? Let's, yeah. Let's hashtag him. Let's tag him on this. We fucking did it. Adnan's going home on Monday. That's crazy. This is this is happening.
1: It's on Monday. This-
0: that's when the hearing is. If it if Judge grants it, he's going home that day.
1: <sighs> but I mean,
0: I know, I know, I know. That's a lot. That's, judges I don't get my have hopes a lot up. of autonomy. I don't want to get my hopes up, but you're hearing this on Sunday, and Adnan can be home on Monday.
1: That's nuts.
0: And we still don't know who did it, and we need to find out who did it. That poor girl. Let's let's. I'm I'm no longer enraged at the miscarriage of justice. I'm enraged at. We need to get the bastard who did this.
1: I'm enraged at both, because. I'm, Part I'm, of the reasons why he potentially may go home on Monday is because there was a suspect all along, and this should never have happened. Should never have happened to either one of them.
0: So sorry, all right, sorry. Uh, true crime for cinema. We need a we need a theme song. <laughs> it probably has to be really intense, really, <laughs> like
1: like Halloween theme or unsolved mysteries or something. Yeah, we just, right. Like pop
0: that in. So, yeah, John Cryer, we did it. Yeah. Uh, Almost. I don't know. We'll see. All right. um, Next week, March 7th, a day that will live in infamy. First of all, Room of the View. We discussed that already. Mm -hmm. And the second half of Iron Eagle.
1: Here we are, born to be kings. (laughs) Y'all, his pen just flew across the room.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, we were listening to this album on vinyl last night. We were. And it's awesome. And I love it. And Highlander came out. I need to go pour myself a Glen Merengue, Neat.
1: Is that what the Highlander that, drinks?
0: That's, that is what, yes, the proud Scottish warrior from Belgium.
1: As well as the proud Spanish-Egyptian warrior from Scotland. Sean Sean Connery in the movie of the eternal Scottish
0: warrior playing um, an Egyptian.
1: Oh, Lord.
0: 314 Gung-Ho. Do you know Gung-Ho? No. We had that on VHS. It's Michael Keaton. It's a factory that gets outsourced making cars to Japan. It's probably so racist. Probably. I remember loving it, though. Of course. (laughs) Next week, 321, Police Academy 3. Next week, 326, The Money Pit. That is like basic cable comedy for 20 years. It
1: really is. I've seen parts of it. I kind of honestly like kind of confabulate The Money Pit and The Burbs (laughs) together. I feel like The
0: Burbs is like somebody's dead yes and the it money is. pit is like they buy a crappy house
1: right but it's a weird neighborhood is but. it shelly long in the money pit i think so
0: okay so i think we're to playboy november of 1986 we have interview with joan rivers i don't know much about the history of late night i've seen one episode of johnny carson I think it was when Michael Keaton was on, when Batman, like the neighbors across the street had it on tape. They taped mm-hmm. it and we watched it a couple of times because it had Michael Keaton talking about Batman. Right. Uh, uh, did you do any late night stuff as a kid?
1: I remember some Johnny Carson.
0: Yeah, that that's huge. Like she and Johnny Carson were like neck and neck. That I don't feel like that was ever communicated to me.
1: No, I don't think I realized that.
0: Let's see what else we have. We have... Some energy pills. <laughs> They're, I've got this one saved, so you can post this one. They're energy and muscle building pills in 1986 that you can get COD for uh, $15 for triple strength for 100 pills. Their tagline, quote, we are the source. <laughs> and First Order gets a free t-shirt, and it's a guy lifting a barbell with a bunch of pills on it.
1: Nice. That's why street <laughs> steroids.
0: Not at 86, probably not. No, it's probably more like some like synthetic amphetamines.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: Yeah, like, steroids have pretty much been whatever. We have got compact disc players
1: uh, everywhere.
0: How much are they? I can't even imagine. Including huge ro- digital remote sensors on but, the like, literally,
1: like, Literally what I to post is, there's like the the infrared line from the remote <laughs> like won't like, fucking work <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> very line of sight
0: i love it the fruit of the loom ad I, I mean men's underwear is a little more coverage than the jockey that we're used to in the last couple of years that's true and we have that i can find no naked ladies who are dead
1: all right, <laughs> y'all. It's a first. Everyone, it? everyone has survived. There's no death count.
0: Devin DeVazquez is our cover girl. She's gorgeous. She was first in Playboy in '81 in the girls of the SEC. She was at uh, LSU at the time. She won the Star Search.
1: Star Search. I love Star Search. Oh my gosh.
0: I never seen Star Search.
1: <gasps> I used to watch Star Search all the time.
0: You and 22 million other Americans.
1: I mean, it was crazy because it was like you'd have like someone who could sing, you'd have someone who could dance, you'd have someone doing stand up. You had and then I you mean, had do you your I mean, did you see her and McMahon. And then you had your supermodel, like your oh, Your spokes model. Spokes model, yes. I was like, what was it called? Spokes Search. Yes.
0: Second most watched syndicated show on television for five years.
1: I mean, Behind
0: Wheel of Fortune.
1: I remember seeing um, Dave Coulier on Star Search. Britney Spears was on Star Search.
0: I've never watched it. But I mean, literally we're talking one out of five American households or so.
1: It was a five star show. Maybe that's (laughs) where like four and a half stars. Like maybe that's where my five star scale comes from.
0: But uh First Hispanic, or I guess it was Hispanic at the time. I guess it would be Latinx. Now, Mm -hmm. woman on the cover of Playboy. She dated Sylvester Stallone and Prince. Good on her. Yeah. Cute girl. Uh, She is married to Ron Moss. Is that... No. He's the bass player for Player. Okay. Probably known for their 77 hit, Baby, Come Back.
1: (laughs) Any kind of fool. Good. See. Baby, Come Back. (laughs) I was wrong.
0: She wrote the book, The Naked Truth About a Pinup Model, which was one of the first interviews with your classmate, Betty Page, mm. in about 50 years. That's cool. So, yeah, you went to high school. You're, you're a, what's it called? Alums. Alum. With your grandparents. Like, didn't we decide your grandparents were there almost the same time she was?
1: I mean, possibly. it. Was, they were there in the 20s.
0: Yeah. Um, I don't know if you've noticed in our audible feed, my husband is a dog, my wife is a bitch. I don't like that word.
1: No, I didn't notice. Like I, I but
0: yeah, they do like self help relationship books.
1: Okay, that's fine. Um, yeah, I was listening to. I've gone down my Patricia Cornwell case, Scarpetta, but there was one that was not available on audio. But Audible, so I found a different source that I've been listening to them, and they are literally like rips of like They're like, this book continues on disc seven. And some of them are like, to listen to the rest of this audiobook, please, please turn flip your- the cassette. Yes! <laughs> it's amazing. I love it. So,
0: questionable legality. I.
1: It's on the internet.
0: I've literally said that I don't think I've done anything illegal in about 15 to 18 years. <laughs>
1: It's a it's a legit site. They can shut it down if they want, but if it's available, I'm going to listen to it. It has its quirks. It's not the best listening experience, but.
0: But yes, we will definitely, I need you to like, to tag Devin DeVasquez. She is very active on Instagram. Okay. Uh, she has a Cajun seasoning and oh. cookbooks. So I guess her Cajun seasoning was during Hurricane Katrina it was a fundraiser, but I guess now it's just like Devin's kick-ass Cajun seasoning. She has won three Daytime Emmys. Awesome. For what? She's a producer for The Bay. I have no idea what that is. No. I think it's on Netflix now. It started on some rando streaming site that has been running for like 10 years. Awesome. And great for her. She seems like a pistol. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I've been trying to figure out if she has any sort of connection because we're going to New Orleans here in a couple of months. I've been trying to figure out if we can figure out a way to get together, but haven't quite haven't quite got that going yet. We have winning the skin game. Do you recognize this face?
1: Um this face has got a mask on it. So it's like men in skincare. Oh, it, that's Dolph Lundgren.
0: That is Dolph yeah. Lundgren skincare routine. <laughs> Dolph <laughs> Lundgren skincare routine is happening. It's 86. It. It's 86 and Dolph Lundgren is on my screen. Is on my screen. <laughs> <laughs> We have Donna Edmondson. We have the Virgin Playmate.
1: Okay. It seems like a gimmick.
0: It's just a one line in the thing. But it hit huge in pop culture at the time. She was on Late Night with Joan Rivers and Larry King and a lot of people saying, like, I don't think it's compatible to be a devout Christian virgin and be on the cover of Playboy, and she's like, ah, I don't really see it that way. Okay, <laughs>
1: I mean, that's her opinion. I I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't.
0: Yeah, Joan Joan Rivers was didn't understand, but was pretty supportive. Larry King was kind of a dick.
1: Um, uh, okay, <laughs> surprise, surprise.
0: But yeah, for Playmore to the playmate of the year. In uh, 1987, got $100,000 and a new Corvette. And she said that was lovely. She says, I'm uh, i i am pretty and I'm just taking pictures and being awesome. And it's a pretty good way to advertise my real estate business. And you can look her up on LinkedIn. She doesn't have Instagram, <laughs> but she is on LinkedIn. And she has a real estate empire.
1: I'm connecting with this lady on LinkedIn, 100%. <laughs>
0: We have Ordinary People, Stories About Renting XXX Videos at Mom and Pop Video Stores.
1: Uh, That sounds amazing, actually.
0: I I might, like, you should probably read this article. It is riveting. I don't know. We we can't post the whole article. But uh, we have Claudia and Robert. Their son went off to visit his wife's parents and let them borrow his VCR. (laughs) <laughs> Their daughter is at a party. They need to be home and done by ten thirty when her curfew is. And so they're out trying to uh, rent an erotic movie. Her friend says that the uh, the little French maid is a movie with a lot of hot guys that she should probably try to rent. Uh, the video store they're at does not have it. Uh, so the uh, the clerk suggests Sex World. <laughs> Okay. Which is, I mean, I don't know. We're not exactly connoisseurs of adult no. film, but I believe in the '80s, sex world is considered a very couples-friendly adult fare. Got it? Okay. We have uh, Maureen and Ralph. They they wait till their kids are in bed, and then they go down to the basement to the TV room, the only <laughs> where they have the VCR,
1: <laughs> the TV room.
0: Then they never quite make it back up to the bedroom. <laughs>
1: All right, good on them.
0: The Precision Video, the place where they're doing this, this research, mm-hmm. had forty thousand dollars worth of video cassettes seized by the police a couple of years before, and actually went to court and had them returned to them.
1: What but as like
0: as like I don't know like,
1: like, like, a, a, like I mean is it in a amid-
0: I don't feel like that's these are laws that I don't think people do anymore you know like public <laughs> indecency or whatever or like, right, right, like, right a threat to the whatever moral to the common moral whatever. of exactly but yeah if, now they have them in a glass case in an aisle that doesn't face anything else so like They're kind of behind the curtain now. That, that, that That's my experience with adult features in video stores is like, oh, there's the curtain. And then I didn't realize what the curtain no, meant until no. years we later. We didn't
1: go to many independent video stores. So like I had no idea.
0: But uh, Sid, who is the uh, worker on the counter, who's kind of the co-owner, she's a, they call her a mother of three, a hefty, hustling, 39-year-old blonde. I'm a little concerned about what that means. I don't know. But just uh, her main thing is give them something they can handle or they're not going to come back for more.
1: <laughs> That's right. That, that seems fair. Don't don't over. Yeah. Don't 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 overwhelm someone. Yeah, she right says she that.
0: makes sure and fast forwards through everyone before she puts it on the shelf so she can know <laughs> what to recommend. I what mean, to say, hey, maybe you're not ready for this. Know
1: your customer. I, KYC. I, I,
0: I don't know if this Sid is still around, <laughs> but I'm curious as to her. We have Stan. He is an affable 37-year-old cabbie who wears a baseball cap and says, All righty-a-lot. <laughs> <laughs> he comes in to rent a porno every Saturday morning at 9.30 when he's getting off his, uh, his shift. I mean... He's divorced but still dates around. <laughs> and he says Saturday and Sundays are his best night because he can go on a date and still have time to get out and do a shift.
1: I mean, got a plan.
0: Oh, Stan. We have uh, fashion advice from Steve Gutenberg. <laughs> European avant-garde attire gets the old Steve Ho.
1: Oh my gosh.
0: We might have to do that. And then we have Sex and Cinema. Nine and a half weeks gets a two page spread.
1: Of course it does.
0: And I think I mean I recognize not many of these movies. I mean, Grace Jones, I know who she is. I recognize That's Roblo. Yeah. I recognize Billy Crystal and uh, oh, the dancer guy from Running Scared.
1: Oh, Gregory Hines. Gregory
0: Hines. Have you ever seen Re- Running Scared? No. Were they like wanting to go to Key West or Chicago Cops? No. Oh, that's a good movie.
1: I've seen Silver Streak.
0: Okay, okay. Similar idea. And we have an Olivia drawing of Batgirl, which is kind of sexy. <laughs> sorry. That's weird. <laughs> but... I think we're going to end on the ones to watch NFL in 1986.
1: Are both of those guys professional wrestlers later on?
0: I don't think so. No. I started Googling the first guy in here, Joe Clicko with the New York Jets. He's done multiple jail stints for perjury and has been involved in uh, fatal hit and run car accidents. And I said, like. We've done so good at like so many naked ladies who aren't dead, and then like all of a sudden I get to football and traumatic brain injury, and it's like I'm just gonna stop googling. Yeah,
1: but we got a real like interesting cut off, cut off arms, cut off mid. We might have to post this. There's a lot there.
0: Yeah, I think Dwight Stevenson at the Miami Dolphins. I don't think he's murdered anybody. So That's like, good. Yeah, we, we we're just gonna stop here. I don't want to get too far into, like, the second string for football this year of 86. There's there's so many steroids and so many brain injuries, and it, it probably doesn't end well. But that's most of what I've got, babe. I mean, this went longer than I thought it was going to be based on the notes I had. Sorry if I talked way too much.
1: <laughs> I know. I mean, this is an interesting movie. I still don't really know what I think. Um
0: I feel like I'm even more confused reading the last couple pages of the book.
1: I mean, I guess I'm going to have to read
0: this. (laughs) I don't know. So where the hell do we go from here? We're going to New Orleans. Do we do some voodoo stuff? Do we stay with Mickey Rourke and do Angel Heart, an X-rated movie? I mean, do we go to Wild Orchids, Almond King? Do we go to Red Shoe Diaries? what the hell like how do we we, i mean there's a new we drew our pretty woman american (laughs) gigolo out of our hat of erotic thrillers there's an american pretty woman series now do we watch american gigolo like what do you want to do from here babe
1: i don't know what i think about mickey rourke so let's do angel heart like i don't know enough about mickey Rourke to like I feel like I need to know more about Mickey work to even make a decision about what I think about this movie.
0: Okay, okay. So we're going Angel Heart, a movie I've never seen, but it's Voodoo Murders, it's Robert De Niro. So, yeah, it's going to start us in a spooky season?
1: Yes, absolutely. Let's kick off spooky season.
0: All right, our first X-rated movie of the podcast
1: this was the European unedited version that we That's saw.
0: That's NC-17. Come on. This is this post-X. Okay. So buckle up, folks. It's voodoo time. <laughs> so if I were to say you reminded me of a babe. What babe? A babe with a power. What power? The power of the voodoo. Who do? You do. What? You remind me of the babe. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, guys. We will see you in a week. Um, apparent, un- unless like the voodoo uh, Lady cavot or whatever Laveau uh, gets us
1: right you're right yeah
0: if anybody stabs our uh, our doll
1: our not Indian related <laughs> voodoo doll right
0: so uh, until next time uh, you can check us out at uh, Forbidden Cinema on Instagram Forbidden Cinema Podcast at gmail.com You
1: got it. What? Are you kidding me? Have I
0: ever got it in one take before? I don't think so. All right, guys. It's been a weird week. I've worked a lot. Adnan might be coming home. Uh, We watched a weird movie that was kind of sexy and kind of creepy. And next week, Voodoo. What do you got, babe? Bye. (laughs) Guys, everybody try to be awesome to each other. Okay. I don't know how we almost got out of here without talking about this.
1: I don't know, because, yeah, we kind of talked...
0: I have notes, like, Kim Basinger's career, and I was like, and that's pretty much everything to do with her career. Right. Move on.
1: (laughs) I have, like, all
0: capital letters, like, 50 Shades of (laughs) Grey. So, John Grey is Mickey Rourke's character in this film.
1: Correct, which I don't think I knew that at all. I knew his name was John, but... I don't know that they ever say his last name.
0: Have you seen the 2002 film Secretary? No. It's a, I think, kind of considered the best BDSM film ever made with Maggie Gyllenhaal and uh, James Spader.
1: Didn't you just mention James Spader, like, earlier about something else? In
0: Dream Lover? Yeah. But, yeah, I guess uh, he is Mr. Gray.
1: So he doesn't even get a first name.
0: He does not get a first name. But... I've not seen, red whatever, but you have. But I'm aware of the cultural whatever of it. Fifty Shades of Grey is Christian Grey. Correct. And yes. his mommy is Kim Basinger.
1: I don't think I knew that. We even watched some of it in Mexico.
0: Oh, but it's. I think she's only in part two and three.
1: Oh, I. Oh, okay. Then. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. That's, so that, that's Christian
0: Grey's mommy is Kim Basinger.
1: So potentially. So
0: John Gray is his dad.
1: Potentially. So we watched a trailer after, like, literally, like, literally, I almost said, we hung up the phone. and (laughs) (laughs) Hung up the phone.
0: (laughs) Turned off the podcast.
1: And watched the trailer for another nine and a half weeks, which, gotta say, nothing says... Let's get sexier and scarier than another. <laughs> <laughs> can't think of anything else to say. Um, but. Yeah, we uh, did not talk about
0: another nine and a half weeks at all. There is a sequel, 13. Years later, with
1: Mickey Rourke, and it sounds it kind of looks like the tables are turned just a little bit.
0: And Angie Everhart, who I best know from "Tales from the Crypt Bordello of Blood," and there's <laughs> very little subtle about that portrayal, and she seems a little more dialed in on this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we're dealing
1: with some of the same characters, we're, and and so maybe this is how he finds her again. And um, de toi.
0: Uh, Speaking of Trois, there is a part three, but Mickey Rourke isn't is... back for part three.
1: <laughs> I'm trying to think, like, neuf de me
0: uh, <laughs> Eins, zwei, drei, vier.
1: Oh, that's German.
0: Right. Isn't that uh, cool runnings?
1: I'm just saying, like, nine and a half in French. Neuf de I think, maybe. Mm.
0: If you have not seen If Looks Could Kill with Richard Grieco, though, the French teacher <laughs> is a fantastic character. <laughs>
1: Have seen that, yes. Like we so, think she might
0: be a Cold War mercenary from whatever.
1: <laughs> so, just all to say that there is a bridge that Grey is a popular character in some very domineering um, sexual men in, in cinema.
0: So, what you're saying is I'm now Zach Grey?
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> um but then also that uh John Gray aka Mickey Rourke, may be Christian Gray's dad. We're gonna we're gonna prove it.
0: I don't know. We'll have to see. Do I have to read 50 shades of gray now?
1: I don't think it's going to tell you anything. Okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so um I don't have anything else. That's it. All right. Bye guys. Bye.